Welcome to Align and Hustle. I'm your host, Kathy Spence, photographer, personal brand expert, mom, wife, and entrepreneur. I'm turning 50 this year, so things just got real. I have a new perspective and I'm all about reinvention, making midlife my new life. Through inspiring conversations with my incredible guests, I will be sharing and finding ways to help you align with what matters most and take action towards creating a life you love. Are you ready to make the rest of your life the best of your life? Let's do this. Well, hey there, beauty. Welcome back to another episode of the Align and Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Spence, photographer, entrepreneur, brand strategist, and wellness warrior. I am so excited to have you here with me again today. Today is the second half of my conversation with Dr. Stephen Gundry. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, part one, please be sure to go back. It is so full of just amazing goodness. (laughs) You will love it. Um, If you haven't had a chance to listen, please go back and do so. Dr. Gundry has built an amazing personal brand as a pioneer in nutrition after leaving his career as a world-renowned cardiothoracic surgeon. He is a five-time New York Times bestselling author. He is the host of a top-rated podcast, the Dr. Gundry Podcast. He is founder of Gundry MD, his own brand of health and wellness products and supplements. Oh, and he's the man that changed my life. Last week, we unpacked his first book, The Plant Paradox, which is celebrating its fifth anniversary this year. This week, we dive into his most recent book, Unlocking the Keto Code. We talk about traditional keto versus unlocking the keto code way and how most people get keto wrong. We talk about insulin resistance, metabolic inflexibility, optimizing metabolism, burning stubborn fat, improving your health, and aging in reverse, which is my favorite part. So if you are someone who has tried everything, you eat the right foods, you exercise regularly, and still you're gaining weight or your weight is not budging, this episode is for you. My interview with Dr. Gundry took place a few weeks before his birthday. So we actually have a little bit of fun on this episode. We celebrate his birthday the fifth anniversary of the plant paradox and national polyphenol day by doing some olive oil shots. Yep. You heard me right. We drink shots of olive oil on this episode together. And you might think that sounds strange, but if you understand Dr. Gundry, he's all about the polyphenols and he'll explain in the show. He also shares why he thinks that JLo and I will live to be a hundred This episode is informative, but it's also really fun. I know you will enjoy it. So without further ado, here is the second half of my conversation with Dr. Stephen Gundry. Because (laughs) that's what I love about you, Dr. Gundry, because you are, you're, you're not afraid to say, you know, maybe we missed something. Maybe there's some way to look at this again. And like you say, research, because you have a keto component in the plant paradox. I do. But now you have a new book called Unlocking the Keto Code. Yep. So you have researched and come up with some new information in this book. And what I would like to really touch upon, which really struck me, was 
the insulin resistance and metabolic flexibility. So from what I understand, keto is high fat, low carb. Well, like the traditional traditional, yeah, traditional keto is high fat, low carb, but you have to watch what you're eating because that doesn't necessarily mean you can go to McDonald's and eat a high fat burger and then take off the bun. Right. So, but your take on it now is a little bit different and now you're disrupting everything again. So can can we talk about Janet and Miranda? Cause that really like struck me. And the reason I'm saying my aunt passed away last year and I feel like if I had read this sooner, I might've been able to help her out. So it really struck a chord with me. Yeah. So here's the problem. Um, most of us uh, don't know it. Most of us in North America, most in the West, whatever we want to call that, uh, have what's called insulin resistance or they're metabolically inflexible. Now, what does that mean? Normally, our mitochondria, which are these organelles that I'm fascinated with, uh, make ATP, the energy currency that we spend. And they can use simple sugars to do that. They can use simple fatty acids to do that. And they can use simple amino acids from proteins to do that. And normally they should be able, if sugar disappears out of your bloodstream right now, they should be able to use free fatty acids as a fuel instantaneously. And I use the example of a hybrid car. Uh, While you're running on gas, you're charging the battery, which we'll call your fat stores. And then if you're getting low on gas, you switch over to battery power and it powers the vehicle until you go find some gas. And so that works great. And normally, we should be able to make that switch. What's really scary, and I write about in the book, is that 50% of normal weight individuals Now, have what's normal weight within nor- the range? Normal like- BMI, and, you know, 25 and below. Okay. Okay. Uh, normal weight individuals have no metabolic flexibility. 50% of normal people put in overweight individuals at 88% of Plain old overweight individuals have no metabolic flexibility. That just gave me goosebumps. Like that's, that's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now you're going to go to obese, right? Obese, 99% have no ability to switch. Now, why is that? Well, we actually have a pretty cool design. And it's all based on insulin. And most people now have heard of insulin. Uh, So insulin is essentially the fat storage hormone. So when you and our ancestors found a buffalo, um, you know, we ate as much buffalo as we could, or if you ran into, you know, the biggest find of huckleberries in the world, you would keep eating. And long after your energy needs were met, you would want to not waste that wonderful feast And so insulin would take whatever you ate and unlock your fat stores and say, here, put it in here for safekeeping. Let's charge the battery. Now, when insulin is elevated, 
that fat stays where it is because if you're trying to put fat into storage, it would be you're crazy. Not take it out. Right. That'd be crazy. Why would you have somebody else trying to get rid of it? So when insulin is high, you're storing fat and you're not letting fat out of storage. And that works great as long as, you know, you're finding food and then not finding food and etc. Well, now most people 16 hours a day, you're eating in one way or another, and you're constantly trying to put food into storage, and insulin is constantly elevated. So now let's suppose you stop eating. Okay, um, I'm going on a diet, or I'm going to do intermittent fasting, or I'm I'm going to stop eating dinner. I'm going to stop eating at eight o'clock at night, and I'm not going to eat tomorrow until eight o'clock in the morning. What should normally happen is your insulin would fall a few hours after you eat and all that fat in the form of free fatty acids would be released from your fat cells and your mitochondria would go, oh, good, there's no glucose, here's the fat, this is great. Normally, free fatty acids would flow to your liver and your liver would take some of them and they would make ketones, which would keep your brain happy until you started eating and everything would be fine. Now you stop eating and your insulin is elevated. Well, the insulin being elevated, that fat cannot get out of your fat cells as much as it really needs to get out of your fat cells. So now your poor mitochondria are going, well, wait a minute, there's no sugar. There's no free fatty acids. You can't make ketones because you got to have fat come out of your fat stores to get into your liver. And what's happening is our brains, among other things, every night starve to death until we eat again. And we wonder why we have this epidemic of Alzheimer's and dementia and Parkinson's because for the vast majority of people who are overweight and obese, every night their brain starts to death. Whoa. Hey, beauty, it's me. In celebration of interviewing the man who changed my life, I'm giving one lucky listener an Align and Hustle Dr. Gundry prize pack. All the Dr. Gundry books that changed my life, The Plant Paradox, the Plant Paradox Cookbook, The Longevity Paradox, and Unlocking the Keto Code. Plus, I'm including a few surprises just to say thanks. All you have to do is leave a review. So go to iTunes, tap on the five-star rating, and write a few sentences to review the show. Before you submit, be sure to send me a screenshot on Instagram at Kathy Spence Portrait. I read all the reviews, so the one that hits my heart is the one that will win. Good luck, and now back to the show. I mean, yeah, that's the, that's talk the about scary. scary. Yeah. So then that's Janet and Miranda, one, both on the same diet, following the same protocol, doing the same things. One is losing weight rapidly and the other can't actually gains weight on a keto diet because of the extra fat that she's consuming. Right. Because her insulin level is high. And so everything that Miranda eats is just, oh, let's, let's store it as fat. But wouldn't and, Miranda had known, like, wouldn't she be like pre-diabetic or something like that? Like, wouldn't she, there be- She was pre-diabetic, but nobody ever measured it. 
That's the problem. So many of these people, they're, they're well-meaning doctors, measure fasting blood sugar, and they measure hemoglobin. that like your A1, A1C? A1C. That's yeah. hemoglobin A1C looks at two months of how- Because I looked at mine after I read that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm fine there. But then you kept going. Yeah. yeah. And the vast majority of people who are insulin resistant don't know they're insulin resistant and don't know they're metabolically inflexible because no one has ever measured a fasting insulin on them. So when we saw Miranda for the first time, her fasting insulin was 16. And quite frankly, insulin should be well under 10. Most of us want it six and less. Mm -hmm. um, my wife runs less than one. I hate her. Oh, wow. um, I know I hate well, her. She's a superstar. Yeah, she is. <laughs> I, I run about two. But when I first did my blood way, when I met Big Ed, I had a fasting insulin level of 16. And I went, son of a gun, you know, no wonder I'm so fat. You know, I, I could look at a piece of chocolate cake and gain weight. Mm -hmm. uh, so good good news. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Good, good news about Miranda. Um, I mean, number one, she was like I wrote in the book, she was apoplectic. What, what are you telling me? You know, I'm insulin resistant. I'm on a keto diet and you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? You are. Well, her insulin now is five and she's lost weight. She's happy. In fact, I just, I just talked to her a couple of weeks ago. So oh, that's fabulous. Good. Yeah. So, you know, once, once she understood kind of at the, you know, molecular level, why she wasn't making progress. And once we tweaked the sorts of fats that she was eating, and once we really got her comfortable with uh, intermittent fasting or time-controlled eating, that's when everything just took off. Because okay, in your book, you have several keys on how to, to work on the insulin resistance, the metabolic inflexibility, but why are there some st studies that show that intermittent fasting isn't right for women from a hormonal perspective? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, if I have a woman who were, were trying to get pregnant, uh, intermittent fasting is really dumb. And a couple of things. And I, I take care of some uh, Olympic athletes, so female Olympic athletes who- There's a wait list for your clinic, right, Dr. Gundry? Well, we, I know I have a PA and, um, we've, we've had year long wait lists, but we're, we're taking new patients and, you know, we're, we're getting to everybody as, as quick as we can. So, but these women, uh, one of the, one of the cool things about women is that you actually have a body fat sensor. There's a lot of cool things about women, Dr. Gundy. I, you, I, I, have, I have two daughters. I have a wife. I know, I, have, I know. I'm I have, joking. I have, I, have, I have people know I am one of the biggest defenders of women. I know. I'm to, just kidding. Get there. So you guys want to have enough fat to carry a pregnancy to term if the famine starts tomorrow. Mm. And that you literally can't eat. And, and I'm Ukrainian, so we have extra. We have extra in the hips. <laughs> and that's good. You know, like I wrote in my first book, uh, fat in your ass, you're built to last. Fat in your, <laughs> fat in your gut, you're out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? Okay, high five. <laughs> 
So, you know, you and J-Lo are going to live forever. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm to okay. 100 for sure. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so anyhow, so you're supposed to have fat stores, number one. And it's amazing. Your body won't waste an egg if it doesn't sense that if that egg gets fertilized, it'll make it. Mm -hmm. The same thing with intermittent fasting. You have sensors that go, you know, this creature isn't a very successful hunter-gatherer. Uh, we don't know why they're not very successful, but they only seem to get food a few hours a day, and they're in ketosis, you know, 16, 20 hours a day. And ketosis back in the old days only happened when you had inadequate food. You were starving. Starving. So the same thing happens. Your brain says, mm, this is not a good bet. Uh, and I'm either not going to waste an egg or I'm not going to allow it to implant because it's, it's a bad choice. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. Some, some, of my, some of my female patients who want to get pregnant will make them gain 10 pounds. And the next month they're pregnant. I kid you not. It, really? Oh yeah, it's really fast. Now, it, like IVR is your next is your next game. <laughs> we, and well, and we've had a number of women who have failed IVR, and you know we've said, look, I can tell you, I have a good friend. I can tell you, you're going to fail because you're not going to allow an implant because you're you're too skinny. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. and you know you're going to spend the next couple months fattening up, and then let's try again. And, and, and we, that has to, they're too thin because of the intermittent fasting. Yeah. Yeah. And the polyphenols, okay. believe it or not, polyphenols are really, really good at, at wasting fuel. And that's why Janet and Janet, you know, she, she just kept losing weight. And I've had a number of, you know, very successful patients say, okay, you know, I really didn't come here for weight loss and, you know, okay, I, I'm great. And all my friends are, going, are you sure you don't have cancer? And I mean, when oh, I first- Yeah, because sometimes you get a little too thin, right? Yeah. Um, you, well, you can never be too rich. Well, too not thin. too thin, but compared to when you're full in the face, then people think automatically you're sick or something. Oh, yeah. When you know, when I first did all my weight loss, you know, all my colleagues said, oh, sorry to hear about your cancer. And I go, what oh, are you no. talking about? Yeah. I don't have cancer. Oh yeah, no, it's okay. You can tell us. But yeah. Dr. Gundry, why are your books, I keep picking them up because it's like, I, they're so special to me. Um, why are your books, why do we, I feel like I'm getting younger? Well, you're supposed to. I mean, you- But I even, I look younger. Yeah, like, you're People have you're asked me if I'm getting work done and I'm like, no. Yeah, you're supposed to de-age, um, you know. People go, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 72 in, in two weeks. I know, you look really good. I would and, never and, give and you 72. Yeah, and people go, look at your skin. Look at this glow. And you know, people look at my hands and they, they go, wait a minute. You know, that's not the hands of a 72-year-old. I still go in the sun, though. So the, my hands. I do, too. Really? Oh, I get ex sun exposure all the time. And in I the morning. Wear... I have to walk in the morning every Good, day. just yeah. like my book says. And I don't wear sunscreen. Please do not wear sunscreen. I don't. That's and my good. family yells at me and says, we're going to get skin cancer. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Oh, hey, it's me again. 
I forgot to tell you about the after party. There is a space that I have created for us to get together and have deeper conversations, connect and discuss the show. The party starts September 1st. So if you'd like to come, just click the link in the show notes. I'll see you there. And now back to the show. But yeah, so we, um, you're, you're supposed to de-age. And the thing I think is fascinating, I like to talk about this in the book, is there's, there's a theory of aging called the uh, cost of living hypothesis. And the hypothesis is the faster your metabolic rate in general, the shorter your lifespan. And little tiny animals have very fast rates and they don't live very long. Mm -hmm. A slow metabolic rate, uh, big animals in general have slower metabolic rates and in general, big animals live longer. So that's very appealing. The problem is you look at birds and birds are small animals and yet birds have incredibly long lifespan. Um, Parrots can live 80 to 100 years. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah, really. I'll, I'll tell the story. I've, I've told it now, but it's, it's worth telling again. Uh, I wanted my roommates in college and I had lovebirds. And when, when I started having a family, there was a bird lady in, in Loma Linda and I thought cockatoos were so cool. And I really wanted a cockatoo. Um, and so we went and looked at this cockatoo, a beautiful bird. And she said, uh, okay, uh, who's going to take care of this bird when you die? And I look at her and go, what are you talking about? And she said, well, this, this bird is going to live 80 to 100 years. And it's, you know, you're you know, 40. And so th- this bird is going to outlive you. So I'm not going to sell you the bird until you tell me what plans you have in place to care for this bird after you die. And I'm going, you're, 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 you're crazy lady. Um, and I left. Yeah. Like I would think she's just trying to drive up the price or something. <laughs> no. So then, you know, when I was researching, uh, mitochondrial coupling, I stumbled across birds and birds. So a hummingbird, a hummingbird's heart beats 1600 times per minute. Think about that. Yeah, that's yeah. That's fast. That's fast. And they have one of the highest. Oh, their wings mount- is that what propels their wings to go? Yeah, okay. yeah. And so they can live in the wild. They've been recorded banded over twelve years in captivity. They easily live ten years. This little bitty, you know. So what's the deal? Why do they live so long? Well, birds have the most uncoupled mitochondria that there are. And hummingbirds uncouple their mitochondria from uh, retinoic acid, and a lot of women know retin-A, which is a vitamin A derivative that they get in the nectar that they get from the the flowers. Mm. And the other birds, the seeds have a lot of melatonin and other polyphenols that uncouple their mitochondria. So it just so happens that birds have the most uncoupled mitochondria. And if you look at super old people, like I write in the book, people who are 105 and doing well, they have the most uncoupled mitochondria. 
And so yours, if you follow the rules um, and you le learn the hacks, you can uncouple your mitochondria on a daily basis and get younger every day. Well, something's happening because, yeah, it's just, it's working. I I follow everything that you do. I, I tweak it a little bit with uh, with other recipe books, but sure, sure. I I am following your plan because it works for me and the results are phenomenal. Even my husband loves them too. So he wants to say things, <laughs> but can we just quickly, before we wrap up, can we talk about the polyphenols? Like what, yeah. for people who don't know, what is a polyphenol? All right. So real briefly, polyphenols are compounds that plants make to believe it or not, protect their mitochondria from damage from sunlight and from heat and bad conditions. And polyphenols uncouple the mitochondria plants. Everybody, well, you're in Toronto, every fall you get to see polyphenols on the trees. So the polyphenols were there in the leaves. Those are all those brilliant colors, the oranges and the yellows and the reds and the purples. They were there all along, but the chlorophyll in the leaves covered them up so you couldn't see them. So then the chlorophyll dies off and there's the polyphenols. So polyphenols are basically these rainbow colors that protect plants' mitochondria. Now, when we eat polyphenols, we now, from plants, we number one have learned that our gut microbiome thinks that polyphenols are the best prebiotic that they've ever eaten. And they go, oh my gosh, this is delicious. This is exactly what we wanted to eat. They then take those polyphenol compounds and convert them into compounds that we can absorb through our gut. And then those polyphenols go to our mitochondria and they do the exact same protection of our mitochondria that they did in the plants by uncoupling our mitochondria. And every time I talk about this, I start kind of singing the Lion King, uh, the circle of life. <laughs> You know, you know, wait a minute, we eat the plants and then we die and then they eat us and, you know, the circle. So one of the things that you can do, so polyphenols are in fruits, they are in nuts, they are in leaves, they are in uh, coffee, they're in tea, they're in cacao, dark chocolate, one of the greatest sources is olive oil. And you want to find dark polyphenol-rich olive oils, and it ought to kind of tickle your throat or even make I know. This one that you sent me, I think you they sent a gift box. And yeah. this one's it's quite, it's stronger oh, than what I get. Yeah. It's 30 times more polyphenols than any olive oil that's ever been studied. It comes from a farmer in Morocco. So I tell you what, so July 11th is my birthday and it just so happens to be National Polyphenol Day in the United States. <laughs> of I, course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Because I guess I'm one of the fathers of polyphenols. So I tell you what, um, yeah, so, so to have a shot of polyphenols every day in the form of olive oil. Are okay. you ready? Dr. Gundry, I just want to say one more thing. I want to add to that. Thank you so much for all of your work. You've changed my life. 
Happy birthday to you. I wish you continued success. And I am so grateful for you, Chandane. Uh, thank you very much. All right, here you go. Here's to our mutual great health and getting younger every year. Okay, I'm in. Mm. Oh, that is, that's got a kick. It is. It's tar- It's more tart than my usual. Yeah, yeah. That's I think I'm going to order more. And don't you have a polyphenol supplement as well now? Almost all of my supplements are based on polyphenols. Okay. And really, and the, the book really goes into where all these are hiding. For instance, spices. Spices are just loaded with polyphenols. And the spice trade, and I know we're going to have to go shortly, the spice trade, people in the spice trade in the Middle Ages, 50% of people involved in the spice trade died uh, for trying to bring spices back you know, from the Far East. 50% died. Now, the only reason people will go to that extreme and risk death is drug trade, as anybody now knows. These were drugs. They were not, nobody would die so that their pork chop could have some black pepper on it. Right. What they were bringing, we now know, is that these spices were intense concentrated sources of polyphenols. And one of the fun things in the book, two of the three gifts to the little baby Jesus, the gifts of the Magi, were frankincense and myrrh, which are actually potent polyphenol-containing compounds. They were worth as much as gold. Wow. And still wow. are today. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And saffron, which was really the original spice, uh, the, the idea worth its weight in gold came from saffron because saffron was far more expensive than gold. I think Dr. Amen has a saffron supplement for brain yeah. health. Yeah, saffron is really good for brain health. Yep. Well, Dr. Gundry, can we do that one more time? Sure. Because <laughs> you're, and it's so good. So we'll just yeah. hold it for my editor because my editor will say that we went. Say, through. why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that right? All right. Okay. So just here we go. Good. Okay. All we right. might as well have it again. Are you going to yeah, have it? Yeah, might as well. Mm. Good. I like it. I like it. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Gundry. Happy birthday. All the best to you so that you can continue to help so many people like you've been doing. And honestly, I'm going to start crying because I'm hormonal today, but (laughs) you've changed my life. You've Uh, changed so many people's lives and it was such a pleasure to meet you and have you on the show. uh, Thank you. You know, I I was doing a book signing up at uh, speaking at the Sun Valley Wellness Festival uh, a few weeks ago. I was signing a book and a, a young mother came up to me. And she, she said, you just you changed my child's life. And I said, oh, really? She said, let me show you a picture. Picture of a little kid, and he's all broken out with red splotches and eczema. And, and she said, you know, they were giving him steroids, and they were putting things on and he, he, you know, he was miserable and caring in himself. And she said, I, I read your book. And I realized one of the things you say is you are what you eat, but you are what the thing you're eating ate. <gasps> that hit me at the Tony Robbins conference when you said you are what that animal ate. It was like my mind blew. 
And what she realized was her baby was breastfeeding. So her baby was eating what the mom ate. So she took all of these things out of her diet. Within a week, her baby cleared up. And then she brought a picture of her now two years old, thriving, has never had any issues. And she feeds them, you know, the plant paradox. But she said, you know, how did you know? And, you know, she started tearing up. I said, look, this is why I do this. This uh, you know, your baby deserves a great life and you deserve a great life. See, Dr. Gundry, before you, I had the same thing. I was nursing my son and he was having reactions and I couldn't figure it out. But your books weren't around at that time because I'm not a millennial. So I had to make (laughs) I had to make a food journal every day and then cut out, cut out. And then he was doing so well. And then one day, all of a sudden, blood in the diaper. I'm like, what is going on? And I looked at all the ingredients of everything that I ate and it was some sort of milk protein and some sort of gummy that I had. It's crazy how trace elements, how, what, how it can still affect your body. Oh yeah. Um, Yesterday I I saw a lady who's, who's got um, a a form of uh, Parkinson's that's called gluten ataxia. It looks all the world like Parkinson's, but it's from uh, leaky gut celiac. And she tests positive for celiac and she doesn't eat gluten. And I, and she's really pretty doggone good. And I said, look, gluten is getting in you somewhere. And I said, do you go out to eat? She said, yes, but I tell them I'm gluten-free. So that's not going to work. Number two, I said, um, and I said, well, wait a minute. So what's in the house? I said, is there any bread in the house? She says, oh, yeah. Uh, my husband has to have his sourdough bread every morning. And I go, what? And I, th- I said, there, there can't be any weed in your house. You're deathly, you know. Like even from contamin- cross-contaminating oh, yeah. or anything. Like I that. said, you, can- you can't do this. And she said, wait a minute. He has to have his toast. He has to have his bread. And I make it for him. And I went, What? Yeah, I said, oh my gosh. And she said, well, he'll divorce me. And I said, well, maybe if we want to save your life, that, you know, I'm joking. But I said, he's got to be on board. I said, you're, you know, you're tripping over things, you're falling over things, you're breaking things because you have no balance. And we can measure this in your brain and we can measure it in your gut. And he's not willing to help you with. So she's not even ingesting the bread. She's handling the bread and still having these. Oh yeah. See that all the time. Wow. Really sensitive people. I have another woman, same sort of story. Her husband eats a roll at lunch every day. He's a businessman and he comes home and kisses her. And we finally traced it to that's how she was getting exposed. Every day she'd get a few molecules of glue. And that was enough. So Scary. I've had issues with my gut. So I looked for you. I found you and I follow it. But my kids don't have issues. Should they still be following this? Like they eat some of the things that I make them, but they don't always. So one of the good news, again, about Canada in general is you do have less glyphosate up there. Uh, I can I can tell you so many stories about patients from the United States who've had horrible autoimmune diseases, uh, psoriasis all over their body, blah, blah, blah. Uh, We get them 
off their meds, their psoriasis resolves. I'll just use that as an example. And then uh, we'll use this one example. The family goes over to Italy for a couple of weeks, throws caution to the wind, has pizzas, has pasta, has, you know, beans, bread. And they well, you're in Italy. <laughs> and you're in Italy and they don't, and they don't flare. And they go, oh, wow, this is great. You know, I'm cured. I'm cured. Not when they get back. <laughs> they come back and within, you know, a day of eating our food, the psoriasis blooms. Uh, just as they call us up and say, I thought I was cured. I said, no, you were over in Italy. And, you know, they don't use glyphosate. They, they you know, soak their beans for 48 hours. They peel and de their tomatoes. We don't do that over here. And, you know, we're, we're really, sickness is good for business, sadly. Yeah, sadly. But so, see, you followed your intuition and you made the right choice and you've helped millions of people instead of the few that you could operate on. You're no, and that, millions. That, that, was, that was my argument. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on your side, Dr. Gundry, and I know I've kept you over time. Yeah. I don't want you to be late. So thank you, thank you again. It was such well, a pleasure. Well, thank you for telling me your story. And, you know, let's just keep getting the word out. And I, I do. Uh, great. I have a big mouth, too. <laughs> I'll have to think about something, a big mouth and big butt. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I gained the weight. That's good. Fat on your ass, you're both the last. <laughs> All right, Dr. Gunn. All right. Take great, care. Great parting thought. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have All a right. great night. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Well, Beauty, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the second half of my conversation with Dr. Stephen Gundry. Again, there is a lot to digest in this episode. What I want to reiterate is that your health and wellness journey is ever-evolving. It changes with the stages of your life. I want you to be open to new ideas. What worked for you before might not work for you again. And be open to changing your mind. The biggest changes in my appearance my, and how I felt on the inside came when I up-leveled my diet and implemented the strategies in Dr. Gundry's books. It's not easy, but here are a few things that I did that I think will help set you up for success. The first thing when you start a new program is try to block some time when you are not committed to any social events or special occasions. The worst thing that you can do to yourself is put yourself in a situation where all the odds are against you. <laughs> so again, if you're going to try a new program, make sure you block out some time to start and at least give yourself a little bit of a runway where you don't have social events or special occasions. Secondly, remember to always give yourself grace. Progress over perfection. I think when I start when I first implemented the plant paradox, I started over at least three or four times. It's baby steps, it's progress over perfection. Everyone slips up, don't beat yourself up, just start again. The most important thing is to learn to read labels, like you heard in this episode. Even trace amounts of gluten, dairy, lectins can set you back. So take some extra time at the grocery store and actually read all the ingredients. Prep your kitchen. 
like at a social event, if it's not in front of you, you won't be tempted, you won't eat it. Set yourself up for success. And lastly, change doesn't happen overnight. Be kind to yourself, make a decision, commit to yourself, and be consistent. You're worth it. Your health and wellness is worth it, and you're worth it, beauty. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to leave a review for your chance to win a Dr. Gundry book bundle as my way of saying thanks to you. Lastly, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And for any additional resources or links mentioned in this episode, please visit the episode webpage at www.kathyspence.com forward slash podcast. I'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.